to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. chapter 2 will be beginning in verse 11. But you remember Paul is talking about his testimony. He's kind of sharing his qualifications to the churches of Galatia. There are at least four churches up there. It could be more. But Paul is talking to a group of churches and there's he's not there commending them. There's some things there that they're that they're dealing with and that they're struggling with and I think that we can also struggle with a lot of these things too. Paul he writes in verse 11 He's, he's just reminded us in the first 10 verses of chapter 2 that after he got saved, after Christ grabbed a hold of his life and he's now a Christian, he's a believer, he spent 14 years um, in preparation for this day. He spent 14 years utilizing what God had, did it, had, got, had, God had done in his life and kind of reprogrammed him from his thought of going to school under Gamaliel. Remember, you can get last week's message online if you'd like, but he was mentored under a phenomenal Jewish mentor, Gamaliel. And he had been so indoctrinated in Jewish writing and Jewish tradition, and there were so many problems that he would see in his in, in the Old Testament that he was he would struggle with. And we mentioned one last week in Isaiah 53. That would be one that, that he would have struggled with. And, you know, speaking of, of Christ, you know, he surely he has borne our griefs. You know, he had no former comeliness that we would behold him, you know, and all we like sheep have gone astray. And we, we've turned each one to our own way. But God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so the, the picture is, who is this? And to a Jew, he would have a struggle trying to figure out who this is in Isaiah 53. And Paul, I'm sure, struggled with who that was. Was it an individual? Was it a nation? Well, today, many will think that it's a nation, but it's not the nation. It's, it's speaking specifically and, and accurately. I mean, not taking anything out of context. To try to make it a nation would remove it out of context. There's an actual individual that's being spoken of there. And the only obvious answer would be that it's this Messiah that's going to come on the scene. And so Paul is having to be reprogrammed of everything that he had been taught because the Old Testament is something that a lot of churches get away from. A lot of churches remove the Old Testament from teaching. And I don't think you can completely and totally understand the New Testament unless you also understand the Old. And, and so I love to teach the Old Testament. I love to incorporate the Old Testament in what we do on, when I'm in a New Testament passage. When I'm in an Old Testament passage, I'll incorporate the new with it. It's the full counsel of God. It's what Paul says to the Ephesians. You remember when he finished up his ministry, he thought that he was, it was time for him to go and, and finish up his ministry. He knew that his life was going to be cut short fairly soon. He said, you know, to the Ephesian church, he goes, guys, I, I fear that this is probably the last time I'm going to see you. He knew in his heart that he probably was not going to make it back to Ephesus because his life was in danger. He said, but there's one thing that I will say. I did not shun to declare to you the full counsel of God. 
the full council. The full council is the old and all the writings that were going up and all of the happenings that were happening in that day. He didn't have the luxury of having much of the New Testament, if any of the New Testament at the time. But all of the new happenings that were going on, Jesus dying and rising again from the dead, buried, rising again, all of the things that had gone on, all the miracles that he had seen, all the miracles that had happened through Jesus, the whole purpose and the life and the the times and the ministry of Jesus. He had all of that. And he had to incorporate it with the old and made sense. All of a sudden, Jesus made the Old Testament make sense. And so he has all of this. And he's saying to the Ephesian church, he says, listen, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of Scripture. And, and that's the old and the new. That's the old and what was going on before them at the time. The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And how Jesus is portrayed in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus said, you know, to the, to the Pharisees, he says, in, you search the Scriptures in them, you think you found life. But I'm telling you that they speak of me. Jesus says that the Old Testament was speaking of him constantly. And they missed it. And if Jesus was saying that to the, to the Pharisees, he was saying it's Paul or Saul at the time. And so Saul had to be reprogrammed. He had to be retrained. He had to be, he had to, to see how all of these dots they connected. And so he did 14 years after this, he's now prepared to go. And he goes down into Jerusalem. As he goes down to Jerusalem, he doesn't immediately seek out, uh, you know, the whole church. He doesn't go in and accuse the church of anything. He went down there and he said, listen, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to meet with some of the, the brothers, the apostles secretly, uh, I went up to by revelation, verse two, Paul says I, in chapter two, I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, basically to the apostles, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. That, that goes into another subject. But he, here he says, I'm going up basically secretly to the disciples, to the apostles. Why? Because he's presenting the gospel and he doesn't want to create a major issue there in order to destroy the work that had been done. I'm going to go there. I'm going to see if we meet eye to eye. I want to see if we meet eye to eye on the gospel. I went up there and I spoke with those who were of reputation lest by means, by any means, I might run or had run in vain. Here's the thing. If I'm going out there and presenting the gospel and you guys are coming behind my back and saying, don't listen to what Paul has to say, it's just going to cause this major infighting in the church. But it said that they, they received. They received what he, what he had to say. Verse 9, and, and, and when James and Cephas, or who was Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that grace had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. And so here he's saying, hey, we agreed. We came to an understanding. We came to a, a common place where we understand that it's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the reason I, I set the stage with that for today is that there's going to be a confrontation. I don't have a whole lot of time here today. So we're going to read uh, from verse 11 through 21 together. We're not going to get all the way through 21. Understand, we're not going to do that. I'm going to just talk about the confrontation today. In verse 11, he said, after, this is just immediately after, hey, they didn't require anything more of us. They heard my heart. They understood the gospel that I'm sharing. They saw it. They saw the grace that had been given to me. 
They gave Barnabas and I the right hand of fellowship. That's not with a doubled up fist. They gave us the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they shook our hands and they said, we're brothers. We're doing the same thing. We are, we're serving the same Lord. We're moving in the same direction. In verse 11, he says, and then he goes on and he tells a little bit more of the story to the Galatians. He says, but... Listen, guys, when Peter had come to Antioch, I'm going to give you a little bit more of the story. When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because Peter was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. Now, before I go on, listen, Antioch was the very first place. The Bible tells us that Antioch was the very first place the church or that people were called Christians. Antioch is outside of Israel. Antioch is in modern day Lebanon, up in the north. And so here's where Paul and Barney are up there ministering into that church up there, into a church where they first called them Christians. And now Pete, he goes up there to visit them and to see, hey man, let's see how this work is going on. Let's see the gospel and how it is spread outside of Israel and into Antioch. How it's spread out of Jerusalem. How are they doing it up there? How are they going? How's it going up there? And so Peter goes up there. And so Peter came up and I had to withstand him to his face because he was to be blamed for before certain men from James. And so James is actually the brother of Jesus. James is actually Pastor James. This is Pastor Jimmy of the Church of Jerusalem. Okay? This is James who is the, is the head of the church in Jerusalem who happened to be of now among the leaders. He is the leader in Jerusalem of the church. Now, does that mean that he had superior power or authority over Peter and, Jane and, and the other James and John? No. This is James, the, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe in who Jesus was during the life of Jesus, but became a believer after the death and resurrection of Christ. And here he is, bananas for his brother, Christ. Jesus. And so here he is. He's the leader of the church there in Jerusalem. And he just wants to make his brother proud. He wants to live for his brother. He wants to live for Jesus. He wants to live and, and serve him. And so here they are in Jerusalem. There's, they're doing what they think is the best that they can. There's one thing that they have a struggle with. And, and lest we become too hard on the Jews, it would be a hard thing for us to get over. We can't beat down too much on them. But here's the thing. They're Jews. They grew up. Not really liking the Gentiles. Really kind of believing that the Gentiles were created by God because he needed charcoal for hell. And so Gentiles were, you don't even eat with them. You don't converse with them. You just stay away from them. And now Jesus has opened up the door of salvation to the Gentiles. And they're going, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. Because now it's drawing us out of our comfort zone. It's drawing us out of this comfort zone that said that we used to hate these guys. And now Christ is saying, no, you don't hate those guys. I came for them too. Okay. But it was hard to break that old, deep-seated tradition. And so these certain men from James came up. They were down there living for Jesus, but not associating with Gentiles. I'm, I'm glad that we're in Jerusalem that's predominantly Jewish because I don't have to deal with the issue of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles is literally anybody who's not a Jew. So I only have to deal with that, and I don't really want to have to cross that bridge. It's a, it's a tough one to cross. Well, Peter comes up to Antioch, which has Gentiles all through the church. 
He goes up there and he understands that Paul had been sent. It just said it right there, didn't it? In verse 9 of chapter 2 right there, James, Peter, and John seemed to be pillars perceived the grace which had been given to me. They, came, they gave Bar, me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles. So they agree that the gospel should go to the Gentiles, that Christ is open to the Gentiles. But now... What Paul is saying is that as Peter comes to Antioch to come up there and see the Gentiles just thriving in Christ, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, Peter would eat with the Gentiles. But when all of a sudden his buddies from down in Jewish land came, he withdrew and he separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. What he means by that is the Jews were circumcised. And so he's fearing the Jews that came up from James, not knowing really how to handle this situation. So I'm just going to separate myself from the Gentiles. You understand that, don't you? It's the same kind of a mindset of, you know, some kid in school back when you were growing up that was picked on. You remember that? That nobody really liked. But then you kind of felt sorry for him and you kind of buddied up to him or buddied up to her. And you kind of made them feel, you know, uh, included and you, you, you made him feel loved. You made him feel, you know, worthy and, and, and became maybe a friend off campus. But then you'd go back to school. And all of a sudden that person would come up fully expecting you to still be their friend at school. And they come up and go, hey, how you doing? And you're with all your friends and all your friends look at you and you go, hey, how you doing? You know, how you doing? I, I, uh, hey, yeah, I don't, I don't really know them all that much. And, and you, you put them down by, by separating yourself from them. Can you imagine being the Gentiles? Wow, the gospel is open to us. Peter is up here. He's eating with us and hanging out with us, man. This is, this is monumental. Jews and Gentiles don't eat together, and here we are. In Christ, we've been made one. This is fabulous. And now, these men come up from James, and, J and Pete kind of separates himself. Because, yeah, well, I, what was good then is not good now, because I, my reputation's taken a hit by me eating with you. I'm not going to do that anymore. And the rest of the Jews also played, verse 13, the hypocrite with Peter, so that even Barnabas was carried away of their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, Pete, if you being a Jew living in the, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed. Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works Pete Pete listen for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified but if while we seek to be justified by Christ we ourselves are found sinners is Christ therefore a minister of sin absolutely not certainly not he says for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Pete, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Yes, that's where it is. That's where it's found in your Bible, that passage right there, that verse. That's the context of it. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And so there we have it. Paul is recalling a story and he's writing to the Galatians. He's going, guys, don't blow it. I want you to understand there's a time for confrontation. 
There's a time for confrontation and there's a time not for confrontation. The definition of confrontation, according to the dictionary, is a hostile or argumentative meeting or situation between two parties. What's interesting is that, is that we see here in verse 11, it says, Peter, When Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood Peter to his face because he was to be blamed. That word, withstood, is in the Greek, antisteme, which is interesting. I don't have it written up here on the board, but it's A-N-T-H-I-S-T-E-M-I. And it, it literally means, it's, it's a, a word that was formulated by two different Greek words, Anti, which means, you would think, against, right? Anti, and histemi is to stand, which literally means to stand against, to resist, whether in deed or word. It's a military term meaning to strongly oppose or resist an opponent. But as I looked at that word, it was something that kind of jumped out at me. I, you look at the Greek word, antisteme, and it looks just like antihistamine. <laughs> I mean, it really does. Antihistamine. I'm going, well, now that's just strange, you know, because we all know what histamines and antihistamines are, don't we? No, we don't. I mean, we just buy the pills and we take them when we got a runny nose. I, you know, the idea is, is that your body is created in such a way that you have histamines in you. They dock to various, uh, you know, uh, receptors in your body. But when something foreign comes into your body, maybe dust, maybe if you're allergic to cats or dogs or something like that, gets in and your eyes start to get all puffy and watery or your nose gets all stuffed up, you get a cold, something like that. Basically what happens is that something's gone in there and it's triggered a response where something has happened where your body, miraculously, because God designed it this way, said, hey, we've got a, a foreign article there so histamines on guard attack and the histamines all rush to that area and bring with them blood and all of a sudden things start to you know swell up and in your nose and in your sinuses they say hey secrete you know and and mucus begins to go and so you have this issue where it's the body trying to do the right thing because that's how god designed it and i looked at this and i'm going well that's kind of interesting because here's what Peter's doing. Peter's living according to the old law. This is what the old law did. This is what you can do. This is what you cannot do. And now all of a sudden, something else has come in and there's a new covenant that's come in. And now what once was, yeah, you don't do that, is now, hey, it's open to all. It's open. You no longer are going to be justified by the law. The law is not how you find righteousness. The law is what you used to find righteousness. And so here, Paul is, on Thisteme, he's, he's the antihistamine to the histamines. Peter's bringing in the old, Paul's bringing in the new. And he's going, hey, you know, you need to take a Claritin, dude, because this thing is not right. Yes, this was the Old Testament, but don't you remember what Christ is all about? He's there to give us life. He's there to make all level at the ground. There is neither slave nor Scythian, Greek or Jew or man or woman. Everyone is level at the cross. That's not what we had always learned. But now, that is what is afforded to mankind through Jesus Christ. And so Paul becomes this antihistamine to the old law. The antihistamine is to go in there and attack these areas and, and to bring the swelling down, to stop the mucus, to stop what the body was designed to do. It's to stop it. 
because it's not, it's not doing the right thing. And so Paul was coming in. He's withstanding. He's withstood. I withstood Paul to his face. Now, I think this is bold. This is crazy. You think about it. I say crazy. I, I'm, I'm using that in a modern day term. I'm, I'm saying this is wild. Can you imagine being in that in the audience of that day? Just picture this. I mean, we had, there was a time, I was just talking to somebody recently, um, I don't even remember who I was talking to, about when we used to meet over at the Coptic church. Remember when we used to meet over there? Some of you guys remember. And there was a time where we all came together, and, and I love those guys over there, you know? I don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly with their doctrine and so on and so forth, but a lot of their doctrine is right on, man. But here's the thing. We don't see eye to eye on everything. A lot of those guys just love Jesus. One of the, one of the things that we did one time is that they, being Middle Eastern, especially when we were over there, we, it was around the, you know, the World Trade Center and all the terrorist attacks and what have you. And so if you're just Middle Eastern, you are the enemy. And man, they were rejected. Many of them were rejected. And here these guys just love Jesus. And yet they're rejected. They're being coupled amongst with, you know, the terrorists. And people were very, very leery of them. And I found, I, I learned a lot from those guys over there. Many of them, you know, a few of them still good friends. And, and one time, you know, they said, you know, they used to call me, uh, they, they couldn't, they, they, they have a problem with, with our language a little bit, you know. And so they, they would call me, um, not Father Don, they would call me Father Don. Is it Father Don? I mean, no, it's just Don. Just call me Don. Father Don. Father Don. You know. Father Don, let's get together and have a meal together one day. I said, you know, that might not be a bad idea. Some of you guys remember this. We came together and we had an Egyptian meal and we had, they made all their Egyptian food. We made American food. I think we made turkey, you know, a, a turkey meal. And so we all came together and we had, oh, we, I was talking to Mark and Sue about this just the other night. We made, a, they made like grape wrap rolls, whatever it was. They kind of looked like egg rolls or something like that, but they're delicious. They're phenomenal, you know? And here we made turkey. I didn't eat any turkey. I ate just their food. They probably didn't eat their food. They ate our food. And we just enjoyed ourselves. Can you imagine that as we're having that big meal, if all of a sudden, say, I'm going to just take somebody, Pastor Chuck, I know a lot of you guys don't know who Pastor Chuck is, but he's the guy who basically started all the Calvary chapels many, many, many years ago. He passed away a few years ago. But here's the thing. Can you imagine if Pastor Chuck came in while our church was eating with the Egyptians and, and Pastor Chuck came in and all of a sudden all of us kind of went, ooh, or, or me especially, got up and said, yeah, I kind of walk away from these guys and separate myself from, they're going to feel inferior. This is the picture that's going on. And to nip it in the bud, Paul says, this is not going to happen. And Paul stands up and he sees what's going on. He's, he's shocked to see what's going on. And I'm telling you, man, this dude's got guts. He stands up. This is Peter, for goodness sakes. Catholics think he's the first pope. He's not, but we talked about that last week. He was supposed to go to the Jews. And here Peter stands up and he goes, to his face in front of everybody, I said, Pete, you could hear a pin drop, I'm sure. If you being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? 
We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Pete, I'm calling you out. What are you going to do about it? I don't think that he's doing it disrespectfully. I think that he's going out there and he's calling out a major issue. And if he does not get this major issue out in the open, this church is going to fold. The church is going to fold. And so God uses Paul to address the issue. A couple rules, you know, of confrontation. When you and I need to confront someone, I would say the first rule should be pray. I don't see Paul praying here, but I think Paul was a man of prayer. Because oftentimes he goes, I pray for you often. I think of you often and pray for you. And Paul is a man of prayer. I believe Paul is prepared for this confrontation. So when you and I get into a confrontation, I think that we need to be prayed up and seek the Lord. You know, another thing is, do I know all the facts? Are my facts reliable? Here, Paul understood the facts. You told me just a little while ago that that's exactly what I'm supposed to do to go to the Gentiles. And now all of a sudden you're separating and you're making them be inferior. I know the facts. And you, you're cheating, Pete. You're cheating. This isn't what it's supposed to be. Are my facts attained through gossip? No. These aren't through gossip. This is exactly what, I mean, Paul was right in the middle of this. But when you get into a confrontation, are your facts obtained through gossip? Another thing that you need to and I need to consider, consider is our confrontation necessary? Would Jesus do what you're about to do when you get into a confrontation? When I look at Paul, I think, yes, this is exactly what Paul needs to do. Is this confrontation necessary? Yes, absolutely necessary. But oftentimes... We love to get in confrontation. There's some of us that just have this ability to get in confrontations no matter what. And so it's, you're quick to get into confrontation. So here's what I would say. Slow down. Is what you're about to get into a confrontation of over, is it a small thing that has been blown out of proportion? If so, stay away from it. Is it really necessary? Is it really worth it? Did, Paul's looking at this. Is this a small thing? He's going, no, this could, after, this could actually fracture the church and destroy the church. If it's a small thing, he had differences. He had differences at, at times. But here's the thing. Only go into confrontation if it is absolutely necessary. Can it be done in love? That's another idea, another thought that you need to consider when you get into confrontation. Did Paul do this out of love? It's the love, not necessarily from Paul, but it's the love of Christ to reach the church, the whole church, Jews and Gentiles. It is the underlying message of this is love. Is it my intention to restore? I believe when you get into a confrontation, are you wanting to win an argument or are you wanting to walk hand in hand, arm in arm with the one that you're confronting with after it's all said and done? Or you just want to win? Because if that's you, you're, you're going into confrontation for the wrong reasons. Paul wants to walk arm in arm with Pete. 
He wants to walk arm in arm with Barnabas and all these men from James. He wants to walk arm in arm. This is the church, the church as a whole. I want... My intention is to restore. You have to ask yourself, are you unfairly partial to one side or the other? Are you playing favorites? I don't think Paul was playing, playing favorites. I think that he saw that the Jews are not the favorites. The Gentiles were not the favorites. In Christ, we are all equal. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. And you've got to also consider your reasons for confrontation. Paul was protecting the gospel. His only means of being right in, 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 the only means of us being right in right standing with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And the only way that we can be right with God is through, is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not through circumcision. It's not through maintaining the law or rules. It's not by being born of a certain nationality. It is through Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the central message of the gospel. It's what we talked about in communion today. Whoever is a king on your life is the wrong king if it's not Jesus Christ and him crucified. You're, you're searching and you're looking to the wrong thing. Practicing the gospel. Paul is practicing the good news. We all know what gospel means. It's practicing the good news. Paul understands. The good news is that the gospel, the, the good news of the gospel is that salvation has come to the Gentiles. And it has been become more plain to the Jews. That's great news. That's gospel. And so when you get into confrontation, understand, do you know the gospel? Do you understand the good news? Do you understand what it is that God is trying to do through you? And if not, you need to know the word. You need to learn the word. You need to keep the word. That's, we are to be walking Bibles as Christians. When you get into a confrontation, don't get into win. Get in to represent Christ because that's who you're representing. Bible tells us in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, you know this verse and you know this passage. You know what it says. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me now want, oh, oh let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the word of God. It's the word of God that, that brings us life. It's the word of God that directs our path. It's the word of God that will strengthen uh, our resolve in doing what it is that God wants us to do. And when it is, when we want to do something that is in contradiction to the word of God, like Peter and certain men from James and all the rest of the Jews and even Barney got caught up in their hypocrisy. When that happens... They're not living according to the word. They're living according to their own whims. They're, they're, they're living according to their own desires. And that's not what it's about, guys. Live what you believe. Understand what you believe will determine how you behave. What you believe will determine how you behave. Do you live with conviction? Paul is living with conviction here. He was willing to lay his ministry on the line by standing up before Peter and James and Barney and all the rest of the guys. 
you guys need to be blamed. You guys need to be called out on this issue. And it has to be vocally and it has to be openly in front of these that you've just disrespected. Otherwise, this church is not going to be what Christ wants it to be. This is not why Christ came. Peter, this is not why Christ came. And you know that. To separate, to keep people separate. It's to bring everyone level at the foot of the cross. Live with conviction. Don't live with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, the word Greek word in hypocrisy is hupokresis. Hupokresis, which literally means an actor playing particularly the role of a deceiver. That's what a hypocrite means. Every time you turn on the TV or go to a movie and you watch an actor playing, you see an actor. That's not who they are. Who they are, oftentimes, is the struggling waiter trying to make his way into the acting scene, and then they make it. But prior to that, they were a waiter. Do you give the same credence to your waitress at Denny's that you give to one of your actor heroes? Your actor heroes are actor and actress heroes are nothing more than you and me. They're, they're, they're no, there's nothing special. What they do is they act after cut, after take, after take 78, you know. They do so many takes to get it just so perfect cinematically so that we, it's pleasing and that we go, wow, that's awesome. That's great. They, that's not them. That's not who they are. But man, we can get really tricked, can't we? Wait a minute. He plays four. I don't, I don't know. He's awesome. He's Captain America. You know? I don't know. Whatever it is. Whoever it is you look up to. Sorry, I guess I'm a Marvel guy, I guess. Uh, but here's the thing. You look up to these guys and you go, wow, look at that. But, but you can't take some of these guys out of, out of their suits. And you listen to what they say and you go, wow, you need to just stop talking because you are a bozo. I'm not saying that these guys are. I'm just saying that a lot of actors and actresses, you just sit there and go, are you kidding me? That's what you believe? What in the world? That just doesn't even make any sense. They're a hypocrisis. They are an actor. They're playing something that they're not. But in real life, there's something different. And so that's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, Pete, Barnabas, men from James, all the rest of you Jews here, you're all playing the hypocrisis. You're the actor. And you're deceiving in your act in, in, in your your playwright or you, in your play. And you're destroying people's lives in the in the process. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Bible says in Proverbs chapter twenty nine, four twenty five, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. 
Don't ever fear man, fear God. Proverbs 27, 6. I'm almost done here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. We're going to see, did Paul or did Peter receive Paul's words? We're going to see that in just a second. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so, live in conviction, or you live in hypocrisy, or you live in error. These friends of of James were living in error and hypocrisy. They might have just been following their leader, but they're not following the right way. And finally, the results of confrontation. You need to consider what the results of your confrontation that you're about to get into. You know, what are the results? When we look at this story here, what we do see is that we do not see any record of a rebuttal by Peter. We don't see Peter going, hey, 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 who do you think you're talking to? Don't you know my name is Pope? Do you know my name is Pete? He doesn't, he doesn't pull the, the Peter card. He doesn't pull the, the, the apostle card. He doesn't pull the, hey, I... I was with Jesus. Where were you? You were out there trying to kill us. He didn't pull it. He could have. Could you see that argument happening? I could. And for a man who could not keep his mouth shut, Peter, I think, and I see that he showed great restraint. Here's a guy that would say whatever came to his head. He, he was a man that would open his mouth simply to put his other foot in it. Most of the time through his life. And here I see this man and I see the growth that has happened to him. Peter, do you love me? You unconditionally love me? Ah, oh, Lord, I'm done bragging. I like you like a brother. Feed my sheep, Jesus said to him. Peter, Jesus said... Do you unconditionally love me? Do you agape me? Oh, Lord, you know all things, Peter said. You know that I phileo you. You know that I love you like a brother. Tend my lambs. Peter, I'm going to come, come to where you are. Peter, do you phileo me? Do you, do you love me like a brother? Oh, Peter. Or, oh, Lord, Peter said, you know I do. You know that I love you like a brother. I'm done with bragging. I'm done with being arrogant. I'm done with, with doing the wrong things. And Peter got caught in Antioch, and I'm sure that he had to bite his tongue very, very hard. I want, I, my flesh wants to, wants to lash back out at you because that is my demeanor. That is my character. But I am wrong and I am not going to say anything and I'm going to just take my whooping from you, Paul, in front of these people because you know what? I am more fearful of Jesus than I am of man. And right now you have just brought back to my mind that I have become a man pleaser and not a God pleaser. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to recognize that you are to be living for Christ and not for man? Are you a man pleaser or are you a God pleaser? Do you cave quickly when everybody else says something is right when you know that it's wrong? There's no record of a rebuttal by Peter. There was clarification by, by Paul to the rest of the whole church. 
And here's the cool thing. There was restoration between Peter and Paul. I always call them the Mounds brothers. Who got that? Us old people. You know. Mounds used to be made by Peter and Paul. Okay, The Mounds chocolate bar. Goodness. It's not funny when you have to explain it. Peter... We end here, you know, Peter says uh, in his last letter, Second Peter chapter 3, he's talking to the people that he's writing. He, he says, listen, therefore, beloved, look forward to these things. Be diligent to be found by him, by Christ in peace, without spot or blemish or, or, and, and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twisted their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfast, steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so here's the thing. Peter, he took, he took his, his whooping. He took his confrontation. And he grew from it. And he didn't look at Paul as an enemy. He looked at Paul as a faithful brother that wounded him for his own good in order to further the gospel. Check your own self when you are in a confrontation. Are you furthering the gospel? Is Christ being more magnified in you by your confrontation, through your confrontation, or is he diminished? Do people see Jesus in you? I think Paul saw Jesus, or I mean, Peter, Barnabas, certain men from James, all the rest of the Jews, and every single one of those Gentiles that were sitting there feeling very, very inferior, they saw Jesus in Paul. Guys, we must be Jesus in this world in front of us. God has placed us here to represent him. Let's represent him well. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord, this lesson that you've taught us through Paul is huge. Huge, huge message, a huge story, earth shattering to the church. I'm so very glad, Lord, that you showed us this confrontation in Scripture and that you healed the hearts that were hurt in the midst of this because these hearts were not hurt simply because someone could wield hurt. Paul was not hurting simply to hurt. Paul was just saying what you wanted him to say. And if it hurt your kids in the present, he trusted you by your Holy Spirit to heal them and to grow them and to mature them. And so, Lord, help us to learn the lesson from Paul. Help us to live for you. Help us to recognize that our life is to be wrapped up in you and to live for you and you only. Bless this day, Lord. Bless our lives as we walk out of here. God, may people see you in us, in what we say and what we do. Guard our tongues, Lord. Guard our minds. When we want to confront out of the flesh, may we seek you first. Our commander-in-chief, our God, our Lord, our Savior, our director, our leader, trusting you to show us the path, to light that path, and to lead us on our way as we encounter the world around us so that the world might see you in us. May we know you as we know your word. May we live for you as we grow in your word. May we 
be empowered by you because we rely and, and, and rest upon your Holy Spirit and trust. God, do this work in our lives. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you for the life that you've given us through your grace and through your mercy. You've given us a life worth living. Now, Lord, let us go and live it for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.